Hello, this is Jane Stavum, Superintendent of the Sioux Falls School District, and this is our podcast. Join us for an audible look inside the Sioux Falls School District, where we'll put a spotlight on the people, places, and practices of our district. Hello, and welcome to the Sioux Falls School District podcast. This is Jane Staven, the superintendent, and this is the second episode of our podcast. On our broadcast today, we have two distinguished guests in the health field of our school district. We have Molly Satter, who is the Senior Coordinator of Health Services. Welcome, Molly. And we have Patty Anderson, who is the school nurse at Roosevelt High School. So welcome to both of you. This is our new uh, podcast where we're kind of focusing um, less on presentation and more on conversation and really trying to get to know people as I get to know you. We're letting our community get to know you as well. So thanks for your willingness to be here. So I'm wondering uh, how many courses on pandemic management did you take in nursing school? <laughs> well... There was not a course on pandemic. <laughs> there was no course on pandemics. No, no playbook and no course. Yeah, that, it definitely uh, was, I mean, there was the infectious disease piece of things, but um, what we're experiencing now was not part of nursing school. Yeah, I think many people think somehow um, our medical professionals all had extensive pandemic training and everybody knows what to do, but we're learning a lot right along with everybody else in the medical profession. So this year, we had to retool quite a bit of things, and I know our nurses have been heavily involved in what this looks like on the ground and what it looks like in a regular health office, many of which were never designed to accommodate really what we've needed to do in the pandemic. And I know one of the things I try to do whenever I do a school visit is go in and talk to the the school nurse and really see that space. And they're all designed so differently. So Patty, talk a little bit about what your space looks like this year at Roosevelt High School and how you've had to accommodate some things differently and what you did to make that space ready for pandemic work. We um, got extendable rods, shower curtain rods, and we put them up into each of the two cot rooms and so we, with shower curtains to mm-hmm. divide them. So if we had a high amount of students that would come in, we could spread them out and get mm-hmm. them six feet apart. And then I do have a shower curtain rod in the general hallway there where it's like I have a zone where I screen and it's kind of like the safe zone. Mm -hmm. And then beyond the shower curtains is my isolation space where I put the symptomatic students um, before they're going home or while they're resting for parents to come. Yeah. And then I also moved my medications and my students that come down that are diabetic or have other reasons that come that are non-COVID related and I've moved that out behind the secretaries into some cupboards out there to kind of keep the healthy kids that have daily medical things Mm -hmm. versus the children that are coming down that are symptomatic. And I did reserve one of my cot rooms for maybe a student that sprains her ankle or needs to lay down because they're feeling faint. Because Regular old things. Yes, Mm -hmm. so I have kind of two separate areas that I've created and then we have Mm -hmm. the daily routines and meds kind of out in a safe space as well. Yeah, so it's been a lot about retooling spaces to create division and separation. And I 
only wish that I was the shower curtain salesperson this year. That or PVC pipe or plexiglass because we have a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And some spaces were really easy to make over mm -hmm. for our COVID reasons and others I know have been really tricky. Molly, talk about some of the first things that you had to work through in preparation for bringing students back to school this fall. What were some of the initial things you had to ask our nurses to do? Yeah, so um, starting back in June, uh, I reached out to our nurses and we just really started the conversations of what is this going to look like um, and, and then having them come in during the summer when they typically wouldn't have been here to meet with their clerical staff who, who are a really big part of that health services um, piece and providing care. So the clerical, the, the nurse, and the principal getting together to look at what their space looked like, how they could keep the healthy versus the isolation space separate. Um, and so really that, that work started during the summer when most of them would have normally been off and doing other things, but they were starting that work ahead of time so that the, when we got back in August, they were ready to hit the ground running and, mm -hmm. and had those spaces figured out. So yeah, it was just really working ahead and, and thinking through what that might look like. Yeah, a lot more activity this summer yeah. for a lot of people, primarily in those space preparations. So, you know, you get a space ready, you feel like you know what to do, you're thinking differently about kids who come down now with a sniffle. A sniffle means something different. Patty, talk about what that felt like as a nurse. You're trained to deal with sick people, but that looked differently, and I'm guessing that it felt different this year too. What did that feel like kind of when you encountered some of those first students who were ill and you kind of had those question marks of, of is this a regular cold or is this something else? It really is a team partnership between the student and the parent and myself in looking at the full history of is this something new and unexplained? Um, have they been around anybody who's had similar symptoms? You have to really think broad and think about all potential options. We have to err a little bit on the side of caution and in explaining that to parents, many, if not 99%, when you bring them in as a partner, they understand. They understand mm -hmm. where we're at and what we have to do. Everybody has a little bit different belief in regards to where we're at with COVID, but in the end, when we're all a team and working together, it's been much more successful to look at it that way. Sometimes you send them home and they end up back because they're fine and cleared a day or two later. Mm -hmm. But I know in my heart, when I've looked out at the staff when we did orientation, I also brought them into it and the, said, you know, please understand where every decision we make will be within the best intentions of everybody here. Mm -hmm. And so from that point, we're just trying to keep people safe and the, it, it, you just, each individual situation, yeah. you look at each one individually and yeah. the whole picture. I think that's been one of the difficult things for everybody on a couple levels is one, you know, we're an organization that has to think about the students and the child aspect of this as well as the adults, mm -hmm. and that's tricky business. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you just mentioned that's been so important is every situation is different, and every um, context and every kind of surrounding circumstances has to be factored in. Whereas before, if you had a sick student come to the office, you either sent them home because they were ill enough to go home, or you let them rest and you sent them back to class. Mm -hmm. Molly, that, that has to feel different for our nurses. What have they talked about when you've met with them in terms of how they just view kids and then the level of, of responsibility that they shoulder with some of those decisions? So they, 
they have voice, that it is, it is a difficult balance. Um, but one that I think nurses are equipped to do, um, you know, j just prioritizing and taking the best interest of everybody at, um, and, and pulling that in um, and pulling kind of all those pieces together to make sure that the decisions they make, you know, are, are keeping everyone healthy and safe. And so I know it's a difficult task, um, uh, but I, I know our nurses are equipped and, and doing a great job with that. Mm -hmm. um, and that gets to be the hard part because sometimes, you know, parents or other staff might hear about a situation and only know one part of that. And then there's just, there might be this whole other piece of information that, that the nurse is operating off of um, to help make those decisions. And so things aren't just black and white. They're, they're, we're mm -hmm. looking at individual students and staff and their situations, but nurses are doing a great job with that. Yeah, nurses are masters at building relationships. And I know when I was a building principal, the nurses that I worked with were absolutely magical and would do so many different things from you know a, an itchy head that came in and finding those little critters of lice or um, you know an injury that would happen but a lot of the work that our school nurses do is relationship based when they make those tough parent phone calls when you're trying to help people access resources because it's not just um, a student who's not feeling well. It may be the beginning of a road of managing diabetes for the rest of a child's life or food allergies and the way that those needs have emerged over the last you know, um, number of years. And so when I think about it now with kind of that COVID watermark that I've talked about, has it felt different, Patty, in terms of relationships and what this kind of creates with, with your regular work? Have you felt a difference this year with COVID and in terms of some of those fundamental things that you do? I think empathy goes a long ways in putting yourself in the shoes of the people you're working with, the parents, mm -hmm. the students, the staff, and even finding grace with one another that we're all in this together and it's different times, mm -hmm. it's new times, it's uncharted times. But working as a team, I mean, I think collectively as a team, it's brought all of us closer together and we appreciate each other's roles. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the staff that I work with are phenomenal. None of us would be able to do this without each other. I've seen a lot more teamwork, mm -hmm. a lot more communication, just a lot more pulling together. And I think from that, there's been beauty and the stretching us. Mm -hmm. we, there's been some very beautiful moments and I think relationships have been built amongst the co-workers and even the students and the staff yeah. that weren't there before. So there's beauty in anything. Yeah, I hope those are the things that we don't lose after this, yeah. but you know, human yeah. beings are kind of funny creatures and even when we go through some things, um, we forget that along the way. And so I think those are key things that we need to try to preserve for as long yeah. as possible. Molly, you've worked a lot with kind of the, the district management of this, and you've been in on the regular meetings that are held with all of the kind of healthcare officials and people who have guided uh, school districts from a state level. What are some of the things that you've learned um, in your role that maybe um, are different than years past or are key kind of takeaways from just an organizational management aspect of this? Well, I think in working kind of with the state level, with the Department of Health um, and other districts, um, I think it's been interesting to hear how things are done differently in other places, mm -hmm. but it's been, again, 
really good to see now yet this has somehow all connected us you know we're all on the same call each week with different districts and hearing how what other people do and kind of learning from each other um, so some of those things have been kind of good takeaways I guess from that larger management kind of thing yeah it, it uh, there's no one playbook and I found it fascinating how there are differences from state to state I had a very different experience in the state that I came from most recently communities are dealing with it differently mm -hmm. and what that's caused for school districts is for us to kind of have to analyze what our community wants what the public will tolerate what what we think is in the best interest of children and put that all together in a plan that at the heart of it um, seeks to do its best for everybody and that's been really tricky business. When we look ahead and we think about the vaccine coming online, when we think about kind of life after hopefully or life with but maybe a little different version of COVID, what would you want people to be thinking about? We've, we've dealt with COVID but Sometimes I think people have lost sight of just healthy lifestyle, um, ways to stay healthy, COVID or no COVID. What are some things that you would want people to continue to be mindful of as we manage the health of children as also we try to be healthy, functional adults? What are some things that you want people to remember? I think the basics that we need to keep with is um, adequate sleep, mm -hmm. a healthy diet, exercise, you know, those go a long ways in keeping our immune system strong. And we're kind of on the cusp of influenza coming in mm -hmm. too. And so I think masking will be helpful in you know, protecting one another with that. And even just keeping up with your routine physicals and mm -hmm. your immunizations of your other, the other childhood immunizations and routine flu vaccines. I think it's really important that we do everything we can to keep ourselves as healthy as possible. And also to take some time um, body, mind, and spirit mm -hmm. um, for each other and for ourselves. Um, I think in the busyness of it all, we've kind of forgotten ourselves mm -hmm. and we need to take that time to, you know, whatever it is that grounds us yeah. to find that time too. And it's been so interesting to navigate that, I think, for many people because the ways that we typically do that are gathering together or going to a gym or going to places that now have been more of a don't go there or, you know, there's a there's a different level of fear factor. But some really creative things. Nobody has an excuse to not exercise if you have YouTube. I found I found some very creative exercise routines on YouTube. So, um, you know, there's there's no excuse. The hard part is is getting up and doing those things or getting to bed a little earlier. And so that's really good advice. Molly, yeah. what, what are you thinking about just good general health? Well, I think we've learned a lot as far as um, how to prevent the spread of illness. So I would hope people will take some of this forward, you know, keeping your a safe distance from people during flu season, I'm thinking, and mm -hmm. sub subsequent years, washing your hands, you know, kind of those basics. And then all of the things that Patty talked about, you know, your sleep and your diet and all of those pieces. Well, it's just keeping yourself at your max optimal health. And, and so I hope people carry a lot of that forward. I think the, the mental health piece, as you alluded to, um, is also incredibly important. And I don't know if we've I think people are so kind of immersed in everything that's going on right now. I don't know if people have kind of fully um, 
you know, sat back to realize, you know, all that they've gone through and maybe some different traumas that have come up and things that have happened and how difficult this has been. And so I would hope people would, you know, have that awareness and, and, and take care of themselves mm -hmm. mentally, you know, spiritually, emotionally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all of those, those really good, important things. Patty, what have you noticed with our students this year in terms of mental health needs? Has that felt different? What does that look like on a regular basis in the nurse's office? I think um, anxiety is very high. And even my heart goes out to them when I have to say, I'm sorry, I have to send you home for 10 days mm -hmm. um, unless you have a negative COVID test or a doctor clearance. And you can just see the fear in their eyes or the tears well up in their eyes. And even on the parents' end, they're concerned about how am I going to keep up with my schoolwork? Mm -hmm. What does this look like? What does this mean? Just the fear of the unknown because there's been so many unknowns. And from that aspect, I've tried to reach out when I do have those conversations to say, okay, you know, do you have any questions? How are you doing with this? Mm -hmm. um, please call us back. You know, open that door. Um, if there's something not going right. And I try to end it with, if I'm not the person that can solve the problem, I can try and direct you to someone who can. Mm -hmm. So if you feel comfortable, reach out to me. That high tech, but high touch. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that we're still dealing with human beings with feelings and emotions despite this big bad COVID virus mm -hmm. You know, I think personally we've all felt it. And even people I know that have had COVID, they, I like to talk to them when they mm -hmm. come back, like mm -hmm. teachers and staff, because they have a new perspective that they can share to gain insight onto what it felt like to be on the other side. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, people think that the majority of the anxiety is about having the virus, but we've found that that anxiety of being quarantined or being mm -hmm. set apart for a period of time has lent itself to a lot of anxiety too, so I'm glad that you brought that up. So let's talk a little bit about quarantine. That's a new concept this year. We haven't typically quarantined people. And when we think about quarantining, we often think about it through our own lens. So I can be home, I can watch you know, my television, I can quarantine from the rest of my family, I can go down the basement, they can be upstairs, but that's not what it looks like for everybody. What have been some of the situations that you've encountered, Patty, that make quarantining a really difficult thing for people to do? It can be difficult to quarantine depending on the living situation, the size of the family, mm -hmm. if they have a child with special needs that requires the parents or caregivers care that they can't isolate away from them. We have families that are living in hotel rooms or we have families in apartments with maybe multiple families. And so due to that, if one tests positive and they're unable to isolate, then their quarantine and isolation times keep getting extended and then maybe another family member will test positive and the ones that still are negative, it extends their time out of school. Yeah. So those are some really difficult situations to think about that we never thought about before with quarantining and isolating mm -hmm. in those living situations. It's just not possible for those families. And those families end up missing extended periods of times, like up to 24 days or longer. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot of time for these poor children to be out of school. Yeah, that gets to be a long time. And what happens is then people begin to disengage. That's just kind of human nature. And then it gets really hard to catch up. And you know, our teachers have done some really heroic efforts to keep kids up to speed while they're out on quarantine. But that's been really difficult too, because after a number of days, it's just hard to be motivated to kind of continue engaging at a level where you're you're keeping up. 
I think, you know, contact tracing and all of that has added complexities that maybe we didn't fully see coming. And I think, you know, when people think about the glamour of remote learning, for me, that that holds a little glamour because a lot of kids are in a, a situation that may not be really conducive to learning while you're at home. If you have limited space and you have a lot of people around you, it's pretty hard to get a good learning space and a good learning situation as well. But when you think about it from the medical side, it's hard to stay away from people when you're all living in the same room together or in, a, in close quarters. When you think about uh, the medical needs of students who may not have consistent medical care, what have been some of the resources that we've pointed people to that they can access? You don't have a regular family doctor and we don't want people to go sit in the ER for four hours to get a, you know, a, a COVID test or to get care. What are the options in our community? There's video visits and e-visits. Um, both of our major health systems have those and they have the volumes of those have greatly mm -hmm. expanded and increased and they, you can set up and do an e-visit or a video visit around the clock. They mm -hmm. have providers that are available and so that has helped. They have identified certain clinics within towns where in the town of Sioux Falls where you mm -hmm. direct patients that have respiratory related illnesses versus other clinics so it's set some of the public minds um, at ease knowing that this is more of a respiratory or potential COVID clinic mm -hmm. versus this is a clinic that you could go to for other needs or health issues. Mm -hmm. So I think that has been very helpful. The nurse advice lines at both major health facilities mm -hmm. um, for getting questions answered have been through the roof. I mm -hmm. do telephone triage for one of the health systems mm. part-time and our call volumes are phenomenal and the patients on the other end are the family members the whole time. So we've added more staff mm -hmm. but still it's just there's a lot of needs yeah. out there and people don't know where to turn and the waiting times to get answers have increased too. For people. Yeah, it's been a stressor on all kinds of systems. Yes. And um, when we think about that from a family aspect, again, that's where that school nurse is really a lifeline mm -hmm. to either getting those answers or getting connected to the places that, that do have the answers. So I think it will be interesting to see, um, we're hearing um, that the CDC, and by the time this podcast is broadcasted, the CDC may have changed some of those timelines. I think it's gonna be fascinating to see when do we, when do we say we're done with COVID? The CDC stops putting out numbers, maybe it always will, you know, people have kind of lost sight of the flu and influenza statistics that are always readily available. I think it will be interesting to see how we transition out of this mm -hmm. and, and what, what things look like a year from now. So time will tell, um, but we appreciate the work that, that our folks have done to kind of keep families connected to resources when they're in some really difficult situations. Yep. A lot of work that's happened this year. Our school nurses are amazing people. They provide um, great care all year long, and this year has been a year like none other from retrofitting uh, shower curtains and um, keeping spaces ready for kids to come as well as 
meeting the needs of both students and the adults that you work with every day. So we want to give a shout out to all of our school nurses and we thank both of you for your work. Molly, you've been a pivotal point of expertise for all of us in how we've managed this and sometimes you provide our uh, free therapy here at IPC <laughs> and we're grateful for that and just uh, hope that we can continue to, to see some new developments on the health fronts that help us all feel like we're going to at some point have a measure of resolution to all of this. So thanks for being with us today on episode two of the Sioux Falls School District podcast. Mm-hmm.